The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up and giddy up. What is going on, everyone? This is the Failure to Stop podcast. So glad you joined us today. Would you be ours? Could you be ours? Won't you be our listener? I don't... Do you know that Mr. Rogers said that there was uh, boys and girls? There was only two sexes, boys and girls. Yes, I do. I do have a recollection of seeing a few of those clips where... Imagine if you said something that, that audacious in today's current present time. Imagine <laughs> if you said that. Hi, boys and girls. Yeah, imagine. Just imagine. Just imagine. Mm. I don't know. I got nothing. Mm. So mm. besides the controversial thing that boys have a penis and girls have a vagina, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Just healing from this arm, you know, really just staying in the fight, battling. Did you get the hard cast on yet? No, I didn't go to the orthopedic surgeons. I don't even know if I need pens yet. What uh, is, I ran out of time last week. No, you didn't. No. I did. I ran out I, of time. All I'm hearing is you mismanaged your time last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because needing to get, you know, the next step done in repairing your arm should fall within the ability to schedule that at a doctor and just go go do that. Yeah. But you know what? My my family's learning a valuable lesson. So you know what it's like to, to be put, a caretaker to, to put off a handicapped person. Medical care? <laughs> no, they're you know they're they can now be thankful when this is all over that they don't have to take care of a permanently disabled person. But right now they're seeing what it's like to take care of of a of a disabled human being. So they're kind of they they kind of going through what Helen Keller's family went through. Um, very similar, very, very similar. similar. So now they just kind of get a taste of that makes them more thankful. <laughs> oh boy. Well, anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. I don't, I don't have a lot of new things going on on my end. Uh, there's uh, everything's year end for me, man. Just trying to get, get some undone tasks. I got a big pile of things that just let pile up in 2022 dealing with that ready for the holidays. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to get into the Christmas spirit. I'm not there yet. You know, oh, you gotta get there. Bro. I, I'm I'm trying to get there. I I like it. I like it when I get there. Really enjoy like that vibe when I get there. But I'm just not there yet. So I got I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> I gotta see a therapist, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get there. And, the rapist. Yeah. As far as the show today, we are talking about the boy in the box. Right. That's what we're gonna be breaking down. Is that yeah. is that what yeah. we call this? The boy in the box. Yeah, a little bit different than than our normal case breakdowns for Fridays, but how this being the biggest, you know, true crime and, and, and the majority, a lot of people that listen to the show are really into true crime because of our true crime episodes on Tuesdays. But this is like one of those stories, man, that is just, you know, hail to law enforcement, hail to just the teamwork. Uh, it's just it's an incredible story. It's one that I have been following for many, many, many years. And uh, the case has a major step in the case has, has, has come through last night and uh, everybody's talking about it. Unless you live under a rock, you probably know this story. It's been on unsolved mysteries and it's just, it, you know, the, uh, the, he's known as America's child. Like literally that's what his tomb Never heard says of is America's child. Never so heard of this story. It's a great story. And, it, and it's last night. It's a very, very exciting. So yeah, I, I tend to not pay attention Good episode to today. People found in boxes. Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, we're going to break that down. You, we have three other episodes through the week that you can listen to as well. If you're new to the show, Mondays, you can hear off the cuff. We break down law enforcement related news and events and give hot takes on those things. And Tuesday nights, like Eric already mentioned, there's true crime on night shift. All things true crimey. Thursday's his last call. Eric always gives us the... the cultural the cultural finer things you know so that you can sound like a normal person at the weekend barbecue or at the weekend 
uh, what, what do you do in the wintertime? We don't, I, we don't have barbecues in the winter here in Michigan. Oh, we just sad. hide inside. So well, this, uh, yesterday's episode was like basically all about Christmas and man, the, the outpouring of messages from yesterday's episode, I, I just, I think all of you guys, man, I think it's really cool. I didn't realize that that many people would be affected by that episode, but, um, I just, the, you guys have made my Christmas, man. This the stories you guys are sending me, the things that you're doing with your family. Um, yeah, just man, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Nice. Um, reviews. Yes. <laughs> I'm having a brain brain fart. Um, but yes, reviews. Uh, and if you want to support the show, this is one of the great ways to do it. So what do we got? Rod. Raj will dodge <laughs> five stars. Not not good looking enough for TV. Well, that's not a great start. I'm so thankful for affirmative action as it pertains to looks. These two gays, I mean guys, are great to listen to, but really hard to look at. Not surprised that they are into handcuffs and tasers, but I am surprised at how entertaining the podcast is. Great show. Keep them coming. Yeah. I'll keep you coming, Raj. Oh, gross. Gross. Oh, no, thanks. I will not do that for you, Raj, under any circumstance. Not even if you're like two gays to another. I'm serious. Like if, if someone's life depended on it and it was like, all I'm going to die unless you jack me off. And I would oh let God. that, that person's going to die. If Dude. I'm the other guy in the room, I will, they will die. I mean, it's just medical at that point. No, it's not. I couldn't do it. I would kill myself afterwards. Even if I let them really? live, I'm just going to shoot myself in the face. I'm going to eat a gun. I mean, if it's to save a life. Nope. I'll do it. Nope. Huh? Nope. I'm done. They're dying. I'm dying. We might both die. No one's making Dang, it out of that. Why did you come up with that scenario? Is the real That's question. a weird scenario, man. That is <laughs> a weird. Said, if this guy is going to die. What's weird? weird that Eric says he off. would keep another man coming why for more you, reviews. Or that I said, there's it? no. I just took the inverse and no, said under no. Jerking dudes off under the <laughs> most <laughs> important extreme circumstance of life or death. I wouldn't do that. Uh, Raj has ruined Christmas. Thanks, Raj. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Roger. <laughs> Raj. Jerk Christmas right off. <laughs> Next uh, review. No, one more review. <laughs> uh, Hendo 80, 84, 56. <laughs> it's prisoner number. Not a PI, but I play one on TV. Pull up a chair. Let Uncle tell you about this ragtag crew that's the Failure to Stop podcast. What started from a glaring hole in society with the lack of an adult view at the world has grown to a wolf pack with Andrea, Drew, and soon Jonathan. Can't forget UPP working on the magic behind the scenes. If you're a cop or in the cop world, this is the light at the end of your tunnel. That is the shift you're on right now. Press play, then subscribe and get 10-8. You've got calls stacked. Yeah. Get to your calls. Yeah. Uh, being the light at the end of the tunnel. Are you sure? That's it could intense. be the oncoming train, too. <laughs> you might need to get your car off the tracks. <laughs> you get out of the way. Rest in pieces, Colorado. <laughs> Eric will pee just to save that. Of course, I would, dude. I, I'd pee on a, I'd pee on a dude if he got stung by a jellyfish, which is like uh, totally not a real thing. But <laughs> I watch Friends. I watch Friends. It's real. It's real. It's real. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Cobb Center says, "Mike just said my Don't name." Don't get too Holy excited, Jonathan. There's a lot of yeah, guys with your calm name. Calm down, Jonathan. Nobody likes you. Go back to your third responder career and shut the fuck up <laughs> dispatcher not a real hero let the let the real heroes run this show mm. oh that was mean that was really mean for friday morning was it i thought so i even felt mean saying it even though i meant it <laughs> i still felt bad saying it that's all right all right uh do we got any sponsors we need to think about before we dive uh, into today's this, show or? is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack, which have got those savings, scary savings through the holidays. So head over to, to ghostbed.com. Like ghostbed everywhere you sleep. I caught mom doing Santa on a ghost bed. Take a look at uh, the lady over there. Hope she's not <laughs> dead in your bed. You know that song, I Caught Mom Kissing Santa Claus? Doesn't that make mom like a cheating whore at that point? 
Yeah, it makes Santa have a really good night once a year, too. Huh. It's a lot Santa of houses. That's a lot of ladies. Don't be kissing on my mom, Santa. Dick. Um, And then iTarget Pro, which, you know, if you want to sit around in your underwear on your couch with a laser bullet pointed at a target and practice your target acquisition and your trigger squeeze and all the things without having to waste money on ammo and driving to the range, head over to iTargetPro.com. That's the letter I targetpro.com and use that promo code Wolfpack um, and and get you one of them I targets uh, which are super rad. Uh, you can get any caliber of gun. You get the little fake bullets and uh, even your wife uh, if you want to let the girls shoot. If you want to teach the women to shoot, you know it's twenty twenty two. Women folk know to how to use guns around here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I target pro man. It's pretty awesome. Those are our today's sponsors and. Uh, uh, today's show, again, it's uh, the boy in the box, the story of the boy in the box and what's kind of led us to where we're at right now um, with the with the big release of information. I don't want to blow our wad too soon. So I'm ready. Uh, you ready to jump into it, Mike? Yeah, man. All I know is that there's a kid in a box. That's uh, you've I am at the end of my knowledge right That's there. It's crazy that you don't know this story, man. Did you never unsolved mysteries in your life? Robert Stack's Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, I watched Unsolved Mysteries as a kid. I mean, but I don't. Rem- I, I couldn't one. tell you like what the episodes were. I don't. I don't know. Didn't pay. It was a big one because um, theories kept coming out, so they would just you know like keep doing updates, Unsolved Mystery updates. Um, mm-hmm. Which I love the Unsolved Mystery updates. You know, people say like true crime is like it's this new thing, and like everybody's into it. Like people have been into true crime forever. Like that's why Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, has true been crime going has always been true. Forever. Everybody loves it. Right. Inside rescue edition. 911. Yeah. I was definitely into Rescue 911. Loved William Shatner in oh. that. And then there was like uh, Canine Rescue 911. Was there? It was like, yeah, it was like, like a. I don't remember that. Spin-off. After, it was all after my like time. A, yeah, know. it was about like a dog. I was always into true crime. I, re- I really liked Baywatch. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. True. True beach crime. <laughs> Baywatch, man. I, Baywatch. Used to love I can honestly watch. say never seen an episode of Baywatch. Oh, dude, you're insane. I used to love my parents wouldn't let me Am watch I, though? The Simpsons, <laughs> but they would let me watch Baywatch every fucking day. I would that's get home weird, from school. That's a weird twist. My parents didn't want me to watch The Simpsons either because Bart Simpson swore in Spanish on his t- on the T-shirts. I caramba, dude. So they're I like, caramba. oh, that's 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 the D word in Spanish. You're not watching that. Like what? Yeah, they wouldn't let me watch that, but I watched every episode at least three or four times of Baywatch. So I used to love that show. Yeah, my parents um, wouldn't let me let me watch any of like, like I said, uh, I couldn't watch The Simpsons, but my dad would watch like Steven Seagal movies with me. Where oh, like, yeah. that's you know, the same way we were like, my kids aren't allowed to watch out of cakes, Simpsons. and there was extreme yeah. violence. <laughs> yeah, my kids can't watch Bart Simpson, but we watched Die Hard the other night together. So. Hmm. I don't know. Um, and, and I, and I, I was like, I'm not going to be like my parents. I want to let my kids watch the Simpsons. Cause that's stupid. I'll let them watch like the first three episodes. I was like, now I know why now I know why, because it encourages kids to do bad things. I wouldn't let my kids thing. watch Teletubbies. Cause those, those things are stupid. I couldn't I watch Teletubbies, SpongeBob or Barney. Oh, I love SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Well, we can't, it's SpongeBob. We came around on. Eventually you came around. On SpongeBob, yeah. but Teletubbies and Barney make kids dumb. Now my kids only watch Camp Woodward. They've watched every episode of every know. season yeah, I don't know of Camp Woodward. It's a skateboarding camp, but um, it's a good show. Um, all right, let's get into the story. The man in the box, the boy in the box, uh, not the Alice in Chains song reference, but uh, in late February 1957. Jeez. A long time ago, dude. Is that 66 yeah, years dad, ago? My six dad was ago. one. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy. Uh, this is in Fox uh, Fox Chase, uh, which is just outside of Philadelphia. It's a Fox Chase neighborhood. And uh, he was checking some muskrat traps, some illegal muskrat traps. And he comes across this box in the woods. And he opens it up and he says, damn, that looks like a fucking dead body. I'm just going to go ahead and leave that alone. So he walks away. And doesn't doesn't speak about it. Two days later, another gentleman who doesn't tell anybody about a a suspected (laughs) dead body. I feel like that's in eight like birds hatch and then they open their mouth to eat. And then eventually like they fall out and fly like they don't have to like think about it. It's just like what happens. Like I feel like 
any human that finds a dead human is like, oh, I should tell somebody about this. Yeah. I, one time I got a call. I got dispatched to a call that said, uh, I see a post on Facebook that says there is a body behind Weebobs. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. <laughs> yeah. And the, sure as shit, there was a dude with a bullet between his eyes behind Weebobs. And it's like, nobody called 911 about it. And there was like 50 people out there, like fucking taking pictures. Isn't of that the where thing you took the killer everything. back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when I put the fucking killer in my car. I didn't know he was the killer. And I let him dispose of evidence. Um, I think that's actually in my book. But um, glad that worked. Yeah, this guy, he doesn't contact police because he has several muskrat traps and they're illegal. And he didn't want to bring any heat on his muskrat. So he, he waited out. He's like, eh. This kid's already dead, so really, does it matter if they find him? I would rather. Also, he later on goes on to say that he didn't convince himself that it was a body. He just said, "Dan, that looks like a body." Yeah, but I don't know for sure if it's a body. I'm just gonna not fuck with it. So I don't know. This is 1957. It's a different world back then, I guess. Um, and a few days later, like two days later, at 3:45 p.m on february 25th a 26 year old by the name of frederick j benoit or bananas benias i don't know how to say fucking whatever uh he was a lasalle college student and um so his story was that he was driving down susquana road which is the road that runs right through uh fox chase and where is, he the, what, where is this at again philadelphia okay it's just outside of philadelphia gotcha okay but it's in 1957 Philadelphia too, right? So probably not as urban as it is now. Yeah. Um, so this guy's driving down Susquehanna Road. He sees this rabbit dash out in front of him. And his story is, is that he knew there were traps in those woods. And he was afraid that this bunny was going to get captured in one of these traps. So he pulls his car off the side of the road and he takes off chasing after this rabbit through the woods. And he comes across this box with a doll inside of it, a very creepy, eerie doll inside. And so he's like, yep, fuck that. I'm out. And he leaves. Then a few days later, uh, there is a missing girl. A little girl goes missing. And uh, Frederick is like, well, you know, this girl could, you know, this could have been the girl in the box that I saw instead of a doll. It could have been that girl. So I need to tell authorities. So he calls uh, authorities and lets them know that he saw something strange in the woods that he thought was a doll, um, but it wasn't. Now the police start questioning this guy pretty big. They're like, so wait, how did you find this box? And the guy's like, there was a bunny ran out in front of my car. And they're like, really dude? Re like this is 1957. Like everybody's a toxic man. Nobody gives a shit about a bunny. <laughs> so he finally get them to come off of it. And really what was going on was this homeboy was, uh, there was a good shepherd school. Um, it was a girls boarding school called the good shepherd. And he would occasionally sneak through the woods up to the good shepherd school and spy on the girls. He was just a peeping Tom. Okay. Um, hoping to catch these girls, you know, changing their clothes or something crazy like that. So that ends up being the story. Nonetheless, though, he did find this, this box and the authorities go out into the woods and there is a child inside of the box wrapped in a blanket and i'm going to show it for for our youtube viewers if you want to go to youtube also i'll post this on our instagram so shameless plug go follow us on instagram if you to stop and you can see all these pictures on there but what they find is this particular box right here which is a jc penny's bassinet box Mm -hmm. from 1957 um the, the the picture that you see on the screen is just the box with the blanket inside the body has been removed there's no body in there but what they find is the body of a young boy this is the blanket what the blanket looked like um but the boy had freshly shaved head but it was done crudely so it wasn't done by a professional barber with like electric things it was like somebody used uh like scissors to shave this kid's head mm -hmm. and it wasn't skin bald. It was just very, very, very short with scraggly hair. Also his fingernails had been perfectly clipped. His body was very clean and he, although it had a lot of bruises and surgical scars on the shins and the groin. The what? Although there was no Did surgery you put a D on the word groin. Huh? Groin Did you put a D on the word groin. I could have pretty sure never know you I never do. know when I, I heard it 
Um, but there was surgical stars and they did an x-ray and they never found that like the, the x-ray, he didn't have any surgeries or anything. Hmm. So it's very odd that there are surgical scars made by a surgical instrument on his groin and his, his ankles. Of course, he's got a bunch of bruises too. Um, they also noticed that his fingers are a little bit pruny. His fingertips and his toe tips are pruny, indicating that at some point he had been in water, although it was estimated that he had been in this box in these woods for approximately four days, five days at the most, and it hadn't rained or anything like that, and there wasn't any water around. Mm -hmm. So here are the pictures of the <clears throat> autopsy photos. Um, the kid was malnourished. His ribs were showing through. He was very skinny. And... Uh, Immediately, they start an, uh, you know, the investigation and trying to figure out who this kid is. So at the beginning, the investigators were like, investigators, they named the kid John Doe. They were like, we're definitely going to find out who did this because the body's in such perfect condition. You know, it's not like they're taking a picture of a bag of bones. It was cold. It's February. So the, the body was very well preserved. So they immediately, first thing they do is um, start trying to find out who has a missing kid in the last four days. Um, there was a little boy that went missing from the town mall. Um, and they go and they, they reach that and they think that this kid might be it, but the family's like, no, nope, that's not our kid. They end up finding that kid later on down the road. Um, and the kid was four years old and I believe they found him like in a cabin. The kid had wandered off behind the mall and found a little, like an old rundown house and then just like taken up hiding in there and then probably froze to death overnight inside of that little cabin that didn't exist so hmm. sad that they found that kid but other than that they didn't have any missing children in the area or that had been reported and nobody came came by nobody came um you know came forward with that so next thing that they had was they had this bassinet box which was a bassinet sold at jc penny's so they went to the same local mall where the jc penny's was which was in upper darby pennsylvania on 69th street in chestnut and uh, they were like, hey, have you guys sold any of these bassinets? And between December 5th and February 16th, which was when they had gotten those bassinets, they had sold 12 of them. So pretty good odds, right? Mm -hmm. We could probably narrow down that one of those 12 bought the bassinet box. We probably know who this child was. But unfortunately, at that time, JCPenney's was cash only. Hmm. So they were able to identify 11 because they put a poster out that said, Hey, if you bought a bassinet between December 5th and February 15th from the JC pennies, please call this number. Um, I think nine, it was nine, nine out of the 12 people, uh, called, um, and after investigation, none of those nine people, they actually all had the box still the bassinet box still, um, so <clears throat> wasn't any of those guys. So it was kind of getting colder and colder the case uh, as the weeks kind of went on. And so they decided to post pictures of the autopsy, which had never really been done um, for a missing child yet. And they just thought because it would be so audacious and so like, oh my God. And so basically humanizing that somebody would, would come up. So they made 400,000 flyers of this dead kid. Here is the dead child. This is the, Jeez, this is the they, information they wanted that picture. on the poster. 400,000 copies mailed out, posted around town. I think they, they mailed out like 300,000. I think I read like 150,000 oh, were actually crazy. taken out by volunteers and posted. On. That had to be so, like quite the dramatic effect to put that out yes. there publicly like that. Oh my gosh. Imagine like, I can't imagine seeing dead, a uh, a dead body face on a poster now, like even in an email, right? Like a, a police department putting on their Facebook, like, Hey, here's this body we found. Who knows who this is? Like, that's wild, man. Isn't this wild? Like, could you imagine the nightmares and like, imagine like, I, you know, because I have four kids and yes, I can just, yeah, I, I'm my, thinking about my granddaughter my seeing this, my nine-year-old and eight-year-old would just never stop asking questions. You know, like we listen to a podcast wow. about the Mothman prophecy and my kids still won't shut up about the mouth. It's been months and they're just still asking questions about this Mothman that we've told them does not exist. So I just can imagine what my kids would be saying like, dad, what, what's going on with this kid? Like, 
why why was he like that why are his eyes like that you know why is his ears like that i mean just crazy stuff so this is the they they post this out and they're thinking okay this has got to somebody's got to recognize this boy i mean philadelphia is not that big in 1957 they somebody's going to recognize this child right mm-hmm. and um it was like one of the biggest like poster campaigns in philadelphia at the time it was actually like a real thing people had to like stop printing newspapers it was all hands on deck to figure out who this dead child was now the autopsy came back they, they he died from blunt force trauma to the head even though there was no lacerations on the head um but they could tell that there was bl- it was blunt force trauma to either the back of the head or the back of the neck that killed the child um and he was severely bruised and se- uh and, and they, they I, I guess they thinking that there was sexual abuse too i don't i'm, hey, I'm guessing that's side, side note i did a quick look Create. I, this sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. If if I'm looking at a- accurate population history of Philadelphia from 1790 to 1990, the mm-hmm. 1950s was the most populated Philadelphia has ever been. Oh, over two million. It was two million seventy one thousand six hundred and five was the population listed in 1950. By the time you get wow. to 60, it's down to two, to just over two million. And then all the way to nineties, it was like one and a half million to keep is declining through the eighties and nineties. Crazy. Like, That's so interesting. it was, that, really it was actually that. like peak, peak, um, population. I, I would, I was thinking like, cause Raleigh's like 300,000 right now. I was thinking like, you know, if they printed 400,000 flyers that Philadelphia would probably going to be around 800,000 people or something like that, yeah. you know, damn 2 million. Crazy. Um, I've, I've never been to Philadelphia, so. I think I've been I'm guessing it's obviously a very large city, bigger than Raleigh. Uh, so this this does nothing really comes out. Nobody nobody still knows what this boy. But like at this point, everybody is invested in who this fucking child is. Like everybody's like, I want to know who this kid is. Um, and so uh, there was over the the investigators went on to like over a hundred stores. So next to the body was also a child's hat, and. Um, and it was like a green hat and it was it was a robin's bald eagle cap and they were sold at 2603 south 7th street philadelphia pennsylvania they went and questioned the shop owner who was hannah robbins at the time and they learned that it had been customized for a man who had bought it but according to miss robbins he had been between the age of 26 and 30 with blonde hair and no identifiable accent and after purchasing the cap with cash she never saw him again um, they visited over a hundred stores in the area. Investigators were unable to find anyone who recognized the cap or the boy thinking that maybe if the kid wore the cap and went into a store to get some candy or get some, but nobody, nobody recognized the cap or anything as they uh, kept hitting David ends. Uh, the, they posted again, you know, the, the postmortem photo, which was, you know, I guess viral for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh the first theory was that that John Doe must have passed uh, by, uh, you know, that he probably was um, either like an immigrant from like Hungary, a Hungarian immigrant. There was a lot of Hungarian immigrants at the time and maybe just, you know, died and and there's, you know, not going to be anything. But investigators from the autopsy said no, because the boy had been circumcised and he had been surgically circumcised, mm-hmm. which wouldn't have been a practice by hungarian immigrants there would have been some like different scarring and then so they went through can you imagine being that like hey we need to figure out if this guy's been circumcised well if you look at these pictures of hungarian kids who have been circumcised you'll notice so like you're looking at tons of child penises that have scars on them right you know Uh, yeah could you imagine that And they're like see he doesn't have these scars so it was like he was circumcised in america so he was born in america um also, they think that maybe the parents, because of his um, almost doll-like appearance and the freshly cut fingernails and how bathed he was, and just because he looked feminine um, in the autopsy, a lot of people speculated that maybe the parents had passed this child off as a female for mm. some reason or another. Now, I don't know why. I mean, in 1957, why that was a theory, but that's not really like – for some reason, it just ran from 1957 till you know, recently, but there's no, like, I mean, they just, the kid was, I mean, my kids look very feminine, even though they're skateboarders. I mean, they skateboard like boys, they dress like boys and still their people are like, you have beautiful daughters. I'm like, 
fuck. Um, so they ended up having to like bury this kid because they're not coming up with anything. Zero zilch. So they bury him in an unknown grave and uh, his tome, his, his tombstone read uh, heavenly father bless this unknown child. And it was in Potter's field uh, in Holmesburg, Pennsylvania next to uh, Mechanicsville and Dunks Ferry Road. I, I mean, in case you want to go out there, but that was the original resting place. 1958, uh, they believe John Doe, uh, let's see, hang on, um, formal medical examiner's office employee, Remington Bristow, felt a personal connection to this case, and he worked fi- hard to find a resolution in the hopes of coaxing the boy's parents out of hiding. He published a fake story in a local newspaper claiming that his death had been an accident and that his loved ones had been unable to afford a funeral. Unfortunately, this tactic was unsuccessful, Um, so then he put a thousand dollar reward from his own bank account, um, with anybody that has information. Uh, he traveled to Arizona, Texas in pursuit for leads. Uh, he carried a mask of John Doe's face in his briefcase, which is very weird. Um, but this guy was like obsessed with the case and, uh, but he didn't really, he went to, you know, one of the bigger theories was, is that he went to a, a psychic and the psychic said, that she believed that the kid was a foster child. And so this Bristow guy went to the area and sure enough, there was a foster home there and he goes to the foster home and sees many, many blankets that are very similar to the blanket that this child had in the box. Mm. And um, so the, the foster home was 1.5 miles away from where the body was found. And so Remington uh, focused, he believed that John Doe had been the son of Anne Marie Nicoletti and her stepdaughter, uh, the stepdaughter of Arthur Nicoletti, the man who ran the home. According to Bristow, Anne Marie, who is said to have been mentally challenged, had four children out of wedlock, three who had been stillborn, and the other who died after being electrocuted in 1955 outside of a supermarket. It's believed that the boy's death was accidental. And as a result of the family, not wanting word to get out, um, Anne Marie was, they didn't want any, uh, anybody to know that Anne Marie was unwed, that they kind of kept the, the whole death of that child a secret. So in 1960, Bristow contacted a New Jersey based psychic who told him to look at the house that matched the description that the foster home, when he later brought her to the dump site, she led him directly to the home. Later upon attending an estate sale at the home, he discovered a bassinet that resembled the one sold at JC Penney's, as well as blankets that looked similar to the one that the boy was found that, uh, that he was wrapped in. Um, they've looked, investigators looked into this over and over and over again, and, and just, it never came out. Another prominent theory in the case was that he was the victim of human trafficking. Um, and this is the story that's really crazy to me. So this was a story that came out in 2002, but literally this story started out in 1989. Um, there was a woman who goes by the name of M. She wanted to remain anonymous. Um, she says, so let's see here. Um, she told investigators, one, she told her psychiatrist in 1989 that her mother and father uh, had purchased a child and her parents were like tenured professors. And uh, she claimed that her parents, her, her mom specifically, bought a child by the name of Jonathan for the sheer reason of sexual abuse between her, her mother, her father, and their friends. And she told this psych- psychiatrist that it was like a party favor and that they, her parents would take friends down into the basement what? and show and brag about this child that they had purchased. And they were very rich, prominent people. Hmm. She, she claimed that, that, uh, that they had physically and sexually abused uh, Jonathan mainly by the mother, but sometimes the father. This is her. This was what she told the psychiatrist. After uh, one night, um, let's see here. Um, One night, the boy, after being sexually abused, was taken upstairs to to get bathed. And the child vomited upstairs. And M remembers seeing beans on the floor. So the kid had vomited up beans. The mom, in a fit of rage, shoved the kid's face down in the vomit repeatedly over and over again until the kid was basically unconscious. 
She put him in the bathtub to bathe him only to come back and find that the kid was dead in the bathtub. M says that mom put the child in the back of the trunk of the car with the father and the three of them drove out to a wooded area and dumped the child in the woods in a box. <clears throat> what year was this conversation happening? Like this, this exposition? 1989. Okay. Wow. Now, remember we talked about the pruny fingers mm -hmm. and the, the well-kept yeah. and the freshly clipped hair and the freshly clipped things. In 2002, somebody, I guess I don't remember. Let's see. This Odeski passed and the boy in the box remained identified. All changed in December of 2022 when investigators in Philadelphia announced that they could finally give it. Oh, no, that's uh, that's right now. Sorry, I skipped ahead. <laughs> skipped ahead on there. Um, I'm sorry. In 2009, this woman comes out clean to the to the cops that she remembers being told this story by M. Um, M tells the story to detectives in 2009, this whole thing. And I'm trying to catch up in my notes here so I can read you exactly kind of what happened here. Um, let me get to, to lady M here. Um, okay. So Martha or, or M, we'll just call her Martha. They're calling her Martha in here said that her mother picked the boy up from another home and seemingly exchanged him for a sealed envelope. According to M, the boy was kept in the basement where he was forced to use the floor drain for a toilet and sleep in a makeshift bed in an old uh, coal bin. Mar uh, M said that she and the boy were sexually abused by her mother. In her opinion, her mother purchased the boy for the express purpose of abusing him. According to M, her mother ultimately beat the boy to death after he vomited in the bathtub. She then dumped his body in the woods. Although M had a history of mental health issues, her doctor confirmed she first told this story in 1989. However, she was not ready to discuss the incident with authorities. As of the time, the authorities have not verified these details of M's story, and the boy in the box remains America's <clears throat> uh, kept secret. Um, but M ends up coming out in 2009 with the, in the story, and then M goes missing. M is thought to have fled the country at this point, um, and so they've been not unable to to identify M. Um, but after a lot of research, well, of course now we know because we know who this child is. M was not the, um, I guess the M would not have been the thing, but that makes you think was M's story at all real. And I looked into M a little bit more and they never said what her mental illness was. And I guess the people that, that, that they just, they didn't say what, what kind of mental illness she suffered from. In 2002 or 2009, mental illness could be ADD, could be bipolar, sure. could be schizophrenic, could be anything. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of classifications for mental illness. So, you know, she could have been full-blown batshit crazy or they could just say that she had ADHD. The fact that she fled the country and her whereabouts are unknown after dropping that story to investigators, which the investigators, um, you know, they try to match that story up to different cases and they found this case and they're like, holy shit, like this all matches up. The autopsy did have beans in the child's stomach. The autopsy did have the pruny fingers, which would explain the bath and the clipped fingernails and the freshly kempt hair would all explain this whole story of, you know, making a child look very pretty for, for guests. Um, M's parents were dead and unable to defend themselves. There's been no charges against them or, and no proof or no evidence of any of this happening to uh, M's parents. So that's why they keep her name under wraps out of respect for, for the, for the, for M's, I guess, parents who may or may not have been pedophiles, but you know, this 80 year old woman since the eighties. So, you know, by, since she was in her sixties has been telling this very strange story that she didn't come off of, which is, um, very scary, in my opinion. But let's go ahead and fast forward to now and wrap this whole thing up. So that was, uh, there's a question in the chat. And okay. just to, for the listeners that are just hearing this in your car or wherever you're listening, like we we broadcast live on Friday morning. So we uh, address some of the times uh, that people are making comments in the chat. We can't always keep up with that. It's, it's constant. So we, but uh, Amber said, okay, so how many years after the body was discovered did she make this confession? It sounds to me like this is like a, 
32 year, right? 89 yeah. from 57, yeah. 1957 yeah. to 1989. So yeah. 32 years. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm reading another little article. This is uh, actually from Rick Wikipedia. Probably should have went there a long time ago. But uh, M's mother cut the body's distinctive long hair um, in an effort to conceal his identity, according to M. Um, M's mother forced her to a sister and dumping the boy's body in Fox chase area. M said that as they were preparing to remove the boy's body from the trunk, a passing car a male motorist pulled alongside to inquire whether they needed help. And M was ordered to stand in front of the car's license plate to shield it from view. While M convinced the would be good Samaritan that there was no problem. The man eventually drove off story corroborated confidential testimony given by a male witness in 1957 who said that the body had been placed in a box previously discarded at the scene. Uh, in spite of the outward plausibility of Martha's confession, police were unable to verify her story. Neighbors who had access to M's or Martha's house during the stated time period denied that there had been a young boy living there and dismissed her claims as ridiculous. Wild. Bum. But um, as of recently, some new uh, in 1998, they removed the body. They exhumed the body for the purpose of extracting DNA, which was obtained by a tooth. Um, he was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia, which donated a very large plot. The coffin and headstone and funeral services were donated by the son. There was bagpipes, all sorts of things. Um, the, but it was donated by the son of the man who had buried the boy in 1957, uh, which would, I think would be Remington. Um, there was a significant public attendance and media coverage at the burial and the grave has a large headstone bearing the words America's unknown child. Uh, the body was then re, uh, was relifted up. Um, they, uh, in November 30th, uh, 2022, Fidel Police Department announced that they had identified the child through the use of genetic testing and investigating genetic genealogy. So they, they pulled his body back up in 2019 mm -hmm. because there's some new, there was a new piece of science, a new, uh, you know, genetic, you know, whatever that had come out in 2019. And so the, there was a society that, that, that hunts cold cases and they wanted to try this genealogy. It's the same stuff that they used to catch the Zodiac killer. I mean, uh, the golden, uh, what is it? The golden state killer. So they pull the body back up. They remove pieces of DNA. Um, they rebury the body and through the, like maybe like 23 and me or ancestry.com, a gentleman goes back and they are able to say like, hey, man, you did this DNA test for 23andMe, and we have a possible DNA match from a distant cousin of yours. So through his tree, they find that there was a child born. They're not releasing the name of the mom or the dad. Um, or I guess they have kind of released the name of the mom at this point. But um, the the dad they, they they have not identified yet. But uh, they did have a child that was born on January thirteenth, nineteen fifty three, um, and that was Augustus Zarelli, Joseph Augustus Zarelli. Now you remember, M said that the child's name was Jonathan. Um, this kid's name is, is Joseph. Joseph Augustus Zarelli. That's really where we're at right now. Is that they have a name to the child? I'm going to show some pictures up there. Um, the, the press conference last night was very emotional. It was very awesome. They're actually using this DNA on lots of other missing cases. So, you know, look forward to that. But the fact that they have named this boy after 65 years and now there's just, they said that they have suspects. They're just not willing to talk about it because it is an ongoing criminal investigation. Mm. Obviously, Zarelli's parents are dead. Um, but they are now questioning all sorts of family members. Um, based on this 23 and me, and they have combed through lots of genealogy. They have interviewed lots of family members already. They do have a suspect. They're just not willing to come across. They're not willing to come out with it at this time, but um, there's definitely some progress in this case. And they're pretty confident that they might not find out a reason why, or maybe even who exactly did it, but they'll at least be able to put together some, some more logical theories, you know, being that some of the theories were the Hungarian 
Um, he was a Hungarian one. There was another theory and you can go back through. There's so many podcasts about these. Another theory was that they found a woman in, in Colorado who had a daughter that they found was malnourished and had similar scarring throughout her body. And they had also realized that this woman had been accused of dumping a body in Virginia of a child that froze to death. And they dumped the body illegally in Virginia because they were carnies and they just didn't have any money or the means to bury it. So they thought that this woman could have been, uh, and her last name was Martinez, that she could have, this could have been one of another one of her children that, um, was malnourished and abused by carnies because, because I guess this Augustus Zarelli, uh, Joseph Augustus Zarelli was sexually abused according to the autopsy. So there was definitely sexual abuse here before he died Mm. as well as these very weird scars and, and the bruising on the shins, which is bizarro, right? Like what do they do? Just beat his fucking shins and then break his neck or, you know, whatever is his knock his skull. in. I don't know, but I mean, very horrific death for a four year old child. Um, but all those theories are out the window. But I remember listening to podcasts and being like, wow, like what are the coincidences? It's got to be this Martinez chick. I mean, that makes total sense. Carney's traveling all around. She already has a history of dumping bodies. Somebody could have been sexually abusing this child. You know, the Hungarian, um, the Hungarian theory. You know, I remember that one, me being kind of sold on that one until they came out with all the, the, uh, snipping the circumcision evidence and disproving that theory. So all these theories that have come out, none of them uh, include somebody named Joseph Augustus Zarelli. Of course, we don't know Joseph's history. Maybe we find out that there is a Joseph Augustus Zarelli that was in that foster home and that he was a foster kid. We don't know yet, but I think we're going to find out here in the next six months. So hmm. pretty exciting story. This is a picture, a forensic sketch of what he would have looked like before he died. Um, this is the box and he looks these will old be old for Instagram. a four-year-old. What's that? He looks old for a four-year-old to me. I think everybody looked old in the fifties, <laughs> you know, cause they use hairspray and shit. But I mean, look at these shins, man. Like that's heavy bruising. My kids are skateboarders and their shins are wrecked constantly, but they've never been that wrecked. Like that's a lot of bruising. Or do you think that's like just because you're dead and your blood settles funny? It could be. It's hard to tell with these photos for sure. Yeah. But this is the grave site, and you can see that it's very well kept. Um, it's always been very well kept, and a lot of people visit it um, because they've always wanted to know who this child was, man. And, and that's crazy to think that you could find a kid that you can see what he looks like, you can see his face, so much information, you know, but nobody knows who he is. That's wild, you know? It is crazy. It's crazy. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything gets untangled and at least they can clear the case with who, who, di who did it. Uh, I would like to know who did it or at least, you know, I, I was thinking about this all night last night and I was thinking like, well, what if they do find out that this kid was in boy Scouts or what if they find out he was in a foster home or what if they find out he was in a church school or a regular public school or, you know, they're, they're going to know who this kid was. There's going to be some documentation somewhere along the lines where they can find this name. And then we're going to have a whole bunch of other theories, right? But then like, mm -hmm. if he was in a Boy Scout troop, maybe you can go and find other Boy Scouts that might have served with him. And, or, or if he was in a foster home, you know, we can see who adopted him and then they can start going after that. But I mean, could you imagine being a detective on this case? Like, it's a, I mean, it's sad, right? Like super sad, but it's kind of like a dream come true because now you're getting to be a real investigator. Now you have something to investigate. You have a name. You have a birth date. Um, don't have a social security number. Mm -hmm. But we can now go through hospital records, find out, you know, what hospital he was born in. I mean, there was a birth certificate, so they know what hospital he was born in. You know, they, they know who the mom and dad is. They're just not releasing it yet. Uh, which I think that's strange. Do you think that's strange? If they're dead, it, it means it means that they don't want to overplay their hand. I think just yet. I think that I think that if they release that, I think maybe that would kind of set off maybe some uh, a chain of of shuffling that could happen from a potential suspect. Uh, maybe. But it would seem weird to me that someone old enough to kill 
in that way at that time would even still be alive today. You I know, so. I don't know. Still, Frank still. Like some how old's your dad? Question. Your dad was four. He was one. He was born. Your dad in was one. How old is he now? However old that makes him now, 60, 63. So then you'd have to add another 60s. 15 years to that. So that would, you know, minimum, the guy would 62 be 62 like plus six. four. No, 66. My dad that old? Yeah, he's 20 years older than me. Crap. He's old. So he's 66? Tell your dads you love him, guys. Not going to be long. Yeah, he's 66. Okay, so then, the, that I mean, minimum, this person would have to be about 15 years old, right? To like... Likely be alive. Yeah. You know, um, could be one of those things too, where who knows what happened after they could be, there's been people that have been found out to be the perpetrators and cold cases that are, Oh yeah. They, they ended up getting popped for some other crime and died in prison, like, or whatever else happened to them after the fact. Well, today's show was brought to you by iTarget, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show and super excited to be partnered with iTarget because, uh, we're big, you know, we're big second amendment guys. We're toxic men. We love the second amendment. Um, but we're also passionate about responsible gun ownership and protecting our families. We just discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and have a blast doing it. It's called iTarget pro. And this system is a game changer. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm and start training. Even better, my wife can now practice safely without even needing to leave the house. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10%, plus get free shipping with the offer code WOLFPACK when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammunition through the roof, along with gas to get to the range, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter itargetpro.com, I-T-A-R-G-E-T, Pro.com offer code Wolfpack to get you 10%. What an awesome gift for the holiday. And also ghostbed.com. We couldn't, uh, you know, made the good old USA. It's the gift that keeps on giving and giving. I don't have to do an entire ad read today because we do it like three days a week. But uh, you know, we love Ghostbed and we know it's the perfect gift for any first responder. It's also a gift for you because if he's getting a good night's sleep, if she's getting a good night's sleep, then she's happy, he's happy, which makes you happy. Lovemaking in a ghost bed is next level. So <laughs> go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. I think there's like a 40% off deal right now going on Ghostbed. Um, if our promo code isn't good enough for whatever flash sale that they have going on through the holidays, because every day they've got a different flash sale going on, drop us in the customer survey. Let them know where you heard us from. Next week, I've got Corrine Tatum, Brandon Tatum's wife, coming on for Last Call to talk about uh, life with Brandon Tatum, with old B. Tatum, and how they do all their family stuff and 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 how they manage a family through being first responder to being a social media influencer to being a, a you know radio host, all the things. And then next Friday, we have an amazing case where a police officer was indicted for a completely legit shoot where a woman was an active shooter shot like three people and then shot a police officer and then engaged another officer in a gun battle and the officer shot her, but he shot her too many times and a DA (laughs) indicted him and he went through a very long course to get his name cleared. And uh, he has now finally officially been cleared and he's coming on our podcast next Friday to tell us what life was like being indicted as a good police officer who his friend got shot and he shot the woman back who shot his friend while she was actively trying to shoot him. Could you imagine? Um, but finally he's been cleared of that. And, Crazy. Uh, I'm excited for that one. That's going to that. be good. We were going to do it today, but I pushed it back. I had to push it back one because we want to do a little bit more research and he's sending me a lot of the information that I wanted to get with Elijah to, to make sure we have it all. And we, of course we had this breaking news and I didn't want to miss boy in the box because this is, this is one of those cases, Mike, you know, I love true crime. You know, I love it. So <laughs> right this is on. one of those cases that I was like, I mean, all night last night, I was like, I can't believe they figured out this kid's name. Like I was just saying his name, like all night, like <laughs> Joseph Augusta Zarelli, you know, like, man, like, wow. Right. I finally have a name and I can't wait to see what else comes out of this case. So I wish I was on this team. Like I, there's, like, there's like these Reddit sleuths and everything that are now trying to go through genealogies of their own and trying to find public records. And, and I mean, that's what, that's why you get into true crime is because you can do that. So a lot of the true crime junkies and people in the true crime family are already probably 
uh, dropping information that they probably shouldn't. That's why I didn't want to say the mom's name because uh, one of the Redditors did find that name and nice. did release it. But, you know, if if law enforcement, I don't want to hinder. It may or may not be accurate. May or may not be accurate. And I also don't want to hinder law enforcement's uh, investigation just because I, I can have some clout to say that I solved this. I solved this. I, you know, it's fine to go and try to solve it. But I think out of respect and dignity for the investigation and the people who have actually put in the real work for this for years and years, I think out of respect for that, you just keep those cards close to your chest. Maybe tell your friends, you know, but I, I wouldn't make that public knowledge on the interwebs uh, by any means. But, you know, I mean, I, it is a hobby trying to solve these cases, a hobby. That's where Andrea got her thing into true crime. She solved a, a, a true crime case that's actually still in trial. Um, and that's why we've never talked about it on the show. But one day when the trial is over, uh, Andrea will be able to tell the whole story about how years ago she started trying to solve a cold case in a particular area. She even went with other Green Berets to interview um, potential suspects. And um, and they actually found the suspect and, uh, and an arrest was actually made. So, you know, that's what true crime is kind of all about. It's what the whole lore and attraction to it is, is all about is, is that. So cool case, man. I'm excited for like next it. week. You ready for uh, off the uh, off the cuff tomorrow? Be ready. We'll uh, we'll be going live 845 a.m. for the members. So that's that's members members only baby for the live stream so. tomorrow and the and the full audio will be out Monday. But yeah, somebody asked if I was going to rant about Brittany Griner tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see what comes up. I've got a lot of interesting stories for tomorrow, but uh, Dude, yeah, the FedEx, uh, are you going to bring up the Fed? Well, are you going to bring up the FedEx guy? FedEx guy who allegedly backed into the seven year old girl and was afraid. I mean, dude, have, did, did you see what he told the police? No. Do you, you know, you don't know the FedEx story? No. Well, let's no. just talk about it really fast. Um, we still have a few more minutes, but uh, a FedEx driver kidnapped a seven year old girl while delivering packages and drove her down the road and uh. killed her. And so this girl went missing. And of course, you know, with all the ring cameras and everything, they were able to figure out that it was the FedEx dude and they made an arrest very quickly, but they just released the news also last night on his statement. And I don't have his statement in front of me, so I'm just going to loosely do this. I, I encourage you to go out and look up the story yourself. But basically what he said was in his statement was that he accidentally was backing out and he bumped the girl and hit her. And he put her in the back of the truck because he didn't want to get fired for hitting this girl this close to holidays and he panicked. And then she started talking to him and was like, what are you doing? Then he realized he was kidnapping her and that he had really fucked up. So then he realized he had to kill her. So he. No, no, you can just let her go. You can just take her yeah, back. You could just let her go and be in a lot less trouble. So he tries to break her neck, but oh, it doesn't geez. work. And now she's screaming and everything. So then he tries to strangle her. And that doesn't work. So he has to pull over and take her out. I don't know how he inevitably kills her, but he, you know, that's his story is that he killed her Ugh. out of, out of fear. So what a piece of shit. That's not a story. He did that all on purpose. You don't know. That's not, that's, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, no. He, he, he planned that. I mean, I, I guess he planned it. I wonder how long he, I mean, I guess I'd want to know how long has he been a FedEx driver? You know, I guess when did, where did the temptation to start? Has he done it before? Um, he looks kind of young. Probably hasn't done it before if he screwed it up that bad. Jeez. Right. But you know, what would be the buildup to that? You know, like you don't just go from zero to, I mean, I may, maybe you do. Maybe you're just like a horny pedo and you just see a child and it's just a crime of opportunity. And you've got your FedEx truck. And you just shove her in there. Um, but I mean, I would have gone with the story as like, I accidentally backed into her and it killed her. And I just wanted to make sure she was dead. So then I strangled her. So that way, at least you have like an argument in court of how she died. Like yeah. I accidentally hit her versus I hit her. She wasn't dead. So then I tried to bludgeon her to death and break her neck and that didn't work. So then I tried to strangle her. And that didn't work. And I had to pull over and like really finish the job off, like in this wooded area or whatever. Yeah. Like, I feel like you fucked yourself on all chances of having any kind of argument. I think I would have just said I fucking backed over her. And then I just wanted to make sure she was dead. So I choked her. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Yeah. I thought you'd be talking about that. Cause that's pretty big news, you know, because 
that's more true let, crimey. I don't know. You let your kids play out. Like everybody's letting their kids play out in the front yard and everything. And you don't expect the FedEx driver or the Amazon package deliverer to snatch up your child. No, you don't. In the work vehicle. Nuts. I said that like FedEx in order to like save face needs to just go like on this whole campaign of like relaunching um, Castaway. <laughs> to save face. Oh my like, God. Hey guys, remember we're awesome. We have the movie Castaway. Cause that's pretty bad. FedEx never gets anything to my house on time. I'll tell you that. Dude, FedEx is the worst out of all of them. They are. They, they are the they are ter- absolutely the terrible. worst They're out of all awful. of them. And like, how are they still a thing? If they suck so bad, why did people sleep? I don't use FedEx, period. I use UPS. I use Now I use the Postal Service, which used to suck, and the Postal Service doesn't so much suck anymore. But I refuse, Like I hate when people send shit FedEx. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm never going to get this fucking package. <laughs> I guess is FedEx just the cheapest? I don't know. FedEx no is idea. expensive. It's just the most unreliable out of all of them. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, that's all I got for you today. All right. Well, giddy up. Guns up. Giddy up. Until next time. Until Cheers. next time.